Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. I want to share with you this morning a few minutes on the thought, a new version of you. How many of you would like to have a new version of you in 24? An elementary school teacher asked the students one day, what do you want to be when you grow up? A little girl said, I want to be a doctor. A boy said, I want to be a football player. Another girl said, I want to be an astronaut. Well, she noticed one boy never responded. She said, Tommy, what about you? What do you want to be when you grow up? He thought about that. He said, I want to be possible. She said, what do you mean you want to be possible? He said, well, my mother's always telling me I'm impossible, so I want to be possible when I grow up. (laughs) The power of Christ in us, the grace of God, is the power to help us reach our full potential. You know, when God made us, he made us perfect. But sin entered the world. It destroyed everything good within us. It brings out the worst in us. It marred the image of God. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from sin and its effects, and to restore in us the image of God that we might be possible, that we might reach our full potential. The Apostle Paul writes about this phenomenon of grace in a person's life in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. He says, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Think of the hope of that passage, the optimism of the passage that all of us can put off the old self, the person we were before Christ came into our hearts, the old habits, the old ways of thinking, the old fears, the old rituals of our lives, the old behaviors that we could put off the old that is corrupted and it's deceived, that we could be made new to the attitude of our mind. How many of you know that you don't have to be stuck in your thinking? You can think new thoughts and new dreams and open your imagination to the possibilities of God. And you can put on the new self. And what is this new self? But that's the person that you have the potential to be in Christ, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As we step into this year, we can change. We can grow. We can become all that God has made us to be. And no matter what we've lived through or sometimes we feel stuck, we don't feel like we can ever change. You can change. You can put off the old. You can put on the new. And some people don't want to change. You ever met anybody like that? They're just stuck in their ways and happy about it. They remind me of a naval captain one night, and he noticed directly in the course there was a bright light ahead of their ship. And So they signaled ahead, change your course 10 degrees east. And the light signaled back, change your course 10 degrees west. That angered the naval captain. So he sent back, I'm a Navy captain, change your course. And the light signaled back, I'm a second class seaman, change your course, sir. Now he's furious. He said, I'm a battleship, change your course. And the light signaled back, I'm a lighthouse, it's your call. 
And it feels difficult to change. And some people don't want to change. But all of us need to change. But the, the great news is we can change. By the grace of God within us, there's nothing that we can't put off. And there's nothing new that we can't put on. And Paul says that growing, developing as a person, reaching your full potential, always involves a renewal process, a removal process, and a replacement process. It all starts with removing things. Put off the old self, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires. It deteriorates. It makes everything in life worse. And that's what sin does. That's what negativism does. It, it makes everything about a person worse. It makes everything around them worse. But we need to get rid of those things that we can put off things. We can remove things. We're always removing something anyway. We, we're good at removing things we don't need anymore, that we don't want anymore. When we move sometimes to a new house, it's amazing how much stuff we leave behind. Is I don't really need that anymore. We, we naturally remove it. And life is like that. And there are some things you need to remove in your life that I need to remove this year. It's a great time as we come into a new year. We're thinking of things new. And the most important thing that's new is you. It's a new version of you. Don't think about all the things around you that need to be new. The most important new work of God is a new work in us. You say, well, what, what should we put off? Well, put off your immaturities. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And we can be adults, and we can still do things that are very childish. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 20, he says, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in regard to truth, be adults. So we may have some immaturities in us, even though we're grown up. Not all of us is grown up. Maybe there are immaturities in your life. You say, I need to put that off. And you need to put off your inconsistencies. We all have them. Conflicts between the flesh and the spirit. Inconsistencies between what we say, what we do. Sometimes inconsistencies are how we love God, but we're not loving others the same way. We all have inconsistencies. We all have flaws. And Paul writes about those in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not gratified the desires of the flesh. For the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These two are in conflict one with another so that you cannot do what you want. And then in verse 24 and 25, he says, so then those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. And the flesh there doesn't mean the body, it means the sinful nature, the, the downward tendency within us. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. And if we live in the spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We need to put off our irritations. You irritated at somebody? I'm sure after the holidays, some of you are. Some people you thought were going to show up didn't show up. You're still mad about it. Some people you didn't think were going to show up showed up, and you're really mad about that. You hurt with somebody? You angry, upset? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 through 32, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. And 
Maybe we need to get rid of our insecurities. We're living in such an insecure world, a frightening time for many people. People have lost confidence. People are very timid. There's a global fear. Our young people are living in fear, and they don't feel adequate for the challenge. We worship at the altar of what's called the cult of the expert, according to sociologists. We think we have to have an expert to tell us everything. It makes us feel incompetent that we can't even think for ourselves. We've got to ask somebody's opinion. It weakens our sense of security and confidence. Joshua felt like that when he followed Moses. I would too. So would you. How would you like to follow the act of Moses? Manna from heaven, parting the Red Sea. How do you follow that? And yet God called Joshua to be the next leader. And he was intimidated. He was insecure. What did God tell him? It is calling in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. He said, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What if you could get up every day and just say to yourself, God is saying to me, be strong and courageous. The Lord's with me everywhere I go. And Timothy, who was a pastor, was battling insecurity in his own life as a minister of the gospel. And Paul writes his opening of his last letter, 2 Timothy 1, 7, reminds him, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And the word fear there actually means timidity. A lack of confidence and security. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You wake up every day and say, I have power. I am loved by God. Have a sound mind. Believe in his promises. And I know some things are hard to get rid of. Some habits are hard to break. But keep working on them. Don't ever give up. Don't ever let the worst thing in your life defeat you. Maybe you lose a battle. Maybe you have a setback. Get back up and fight again. You'll win that battle. You'll get rid of that thing in your life that you don't want anymore and don't need anymore. And I know some things are hard to get rid of. It's like a woman who went to the doctor. She was having hiccups and couldn't stop. So she went to a doctor, but her normal, older, seasoned doctor was not able to see her. She had to see a young doctor just out of medical school. So she went in the examination room, and he looked at her, and about that time, the door came flying open. She let out a loud scream and ran down the hall. Well, the head doctor called her and asked her, what in the world happened? She told him what the young physician had just told her. And he went down there angry at that young doctor and stepped in the room. He said, how could you tell Mrs. Jones, who's 75 years old, that she's pregnant? He said, it got rid of her hiccups, didn't it? And you might not get rid of your hiccups, but you can get rid of your hangups. And say, Lord, give me the power to get rid of this. And our personal growth and development is always about a renewal process. And things can be new in the sense that you get something new, but they can be new in the sense that they're new in quality. So he says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. The word attitude there could be translated spirit, the disposition, your outlook on life, your perspective on life. In the last few years... The perspective of people has been greatly altered by all that's going on in the world and that is going on in the world. But you can have a new perspective. It looks very dismal for many people, very hopeless. If you're without God, you're without hope. Paul writes that in Ephesians 4. He says people are without God and without hope. And when you don't believe in the power of God and the omnipotence of God and the sovereignty of God and you look at the world 
What is there to put your hope in? But when you realize that God made the world and he controls the world and he governs the world and he's our God and he's not going to fail, it changes your whole perspective on things. You say, well, how can I be renewed in the attitude of your mind? You know, you could look at your life differently. You could look at your career differently. You could look at your job differently. You could look at your relationships differently. You could look at the world differently. You can change the way you think. What has been learned can be unlearned. What has been decided can be undecided. You don't have to keep believing that. It's not working for you. It makes you miserable, makes you afraid, drives you in despair. You say, well, how can I be made new in the attitude of my mind? Change the input. Change the input into your mind. Input equals outcome. Whatever goes into your mind is creating the outcome of your emotions. And your behavior. So you limit all this negative input, and it's all around us. We all get some of it. And the ungodly influences and the secular input that takes God out of the equation of everything, you limit that. You can't get rid of it. We live in a real world where we hear all of the stories, all the news, but you limit it. It's like going for dessert. You don't have to eat the whole pie, just eat a slice. Well, information's like that. Limit it. And then increase positive input, godly input, spiritual input. Read your Bible every day. Just read it. It will speak to you. It'll give you a whole new perspective on life. You'll see promises and principles that'll revolutionize the way you think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he. Input equals outcome. As we think, so are we. Romans 8 and 6 says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 1 Corinthians 2 and 16 says, but we have the mind of Christ. Say that with me. We have the mind of Christ. You think Jesus looked at his world and was afraid? You think Jesus looked out of the world and was hopeless? No. He knew God was at work. We have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 and 5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 4 and 1 says, arm yourselves with the attitude of Christ. Think about that. The way you think is a weapon. Your thoughts are weapons against deceitful thoughts and destructive thoughts. Arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. Norman Vincent Peale was a very famous pastor in New York City, Presbyterian minister, and he coined the term the power of positive thinking and wrote that book, which is still a national best-selling book after all these years. He tells a story about visiting Hong Kong and going down the streets of the city and at night and seeing so many things, and they came upon a, a tattoo shop. And so he went in and looked at all these tattoos of all these symbols people would get and images, and then there was one that caught his attention. Born to lose. So he asked the shop owner, he said, does anybody ever get that tattoo, born to lose? He said, yes, they do. He said, well, why would anybody want a tattoo like that? And the owner said, before the tattoo is on their body, the tattoo is on their mind. Be renewed in the attitude of your minds. 
Then he says, you got to replace some things. Put on the new self. It's not enough to just take things out of our lives. That's a very negative experience. That kind of leaves us with a vacuum. It's more important to put new things into our lives. Put on the new self, the new person, your new potential in Christ, the person you have the power and ability to be. If you don't like who you are, you can change it by the grace of God. You can put on the new self. What a hopeful premise. Put on the new self. None of us has to stay stuck where we are or like we are. By the grace of God, we can put on the new self. Who do you want to be? What's your vision of yourself? You can become that person by the grace of God. And he says some interesting things about this new self. He says, first of all, the new self that Jesus gives us when we're born again is created to be like God. Created, not evolved. You're not an evolutionary accident. You say, well, the universe had formed over millions of years. That's irrelevant. You are not an evolutionary accident. And you are not part of the animal kingdom. You are men and women and young people made in the image and likeness of God. You're created. And creation is always a work in progress. You're being created. To be like God, not to be like the people on social media, not to be like the influencer you're following, not to be like the culture. You're created to be like God. You're God's children with the image of God stamped upon your very nature. That's what the Bible begins with. It begins with theology in the beginning, God, and then it teaches us anthropology. And God said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. So God created man, mankind, in his own image. Male and female, he created them. You are created. And when you accept Jesus, you experience a spiritual creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone in Christ here today? He or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Created to be like God. Not created to be God. That would be humanism or secularism. But created to be like God, like our Father, like our Creator, like our Maker. And he says there are two important attributes of this new person created to be like God in true righteousness. Why does he say true righteousness? Because there's false righteousness. There's fake righteousness. There's self-righteousness where we... We assume in our arrogance that we can make ourselves righteous before a holy God. That that's not possible. Even Isaiah the prophet talked about that to his generation. In Isaiah 64 or 6, he said, all our righteousness is like filthy rags. You see, that's insulting. Yes, it is, but it's true. The best that we can do is still not enough is what it means. So he opens Isaiah by an invitation from God. What's the cure if I can't make myself righteous? Well, here's the cure. Listen to what God says to us. Isaiah 118, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, you can't make yourself righteous, but I can. Come to me. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll give you righteousness. Paul the apostle, he was righteous by anybody's standards. 
He was a leading rabbi, and he was a, a good man. But he realized when he met Jesus, he needed more. So listen to what he writes about his own experience in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. He says, regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. And as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Some of you grew up in legalistic churches. Legalistic righteousness. Just keep this set of rules and you're going to be all right. He said, I was faultless when it came to the traditions and the, the rituals. I, I kept them all, all the rules. But then he met Jesus. And listen to what he said happened to him. But whatever was to my profit, he means his self-righteousness, I now consider a loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of just knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but the righteousness that comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That's true righteousness and holiness. I don't know if there's any word in the Bible that I'm more uncomfortable with than the word holy. That seems like a word that only belongs to God, doesn't it? And yet, God who's holy makes us holy. Isn't that amazing? So what does holiness mean? It basically means to be different. Different in the sense of being special and sacred. Like growing up, my mom had a china cabinet. And I was intrigued with it. Because it had china that her mother had given her and I'd didn't know my grandparents. They were all deceased before I was born. And, and I remember the utensils, the gold was actually overlaid with gold. I was so intrigued with it. It never came out. It never came out. Once or twice a year, and I always wanted to help her with things. She'd say, David, go get the china. I couldn't wait to open that because you couldn't touch the china cabinet. It was holy. That's what holiness means. It's different. Different in the sense that it's special. And you're not like the run of the mill. You're God's people. You're different. You're special. And you got to see yourself that way. You've got to see yourself that way because you're going to live out the way you see yourself. And it means sacred. In other words, it's devoted to God for his purpose. Like my mother's china, it was devoted for the one or two days when she decided that china's coming out. That was for a specific purpose. And you are consecrated and separated to God for his purpose in your life. Not everything in this world is the same. Some things are different. Some things are special. Some things are sacred. The tithe is called holy in the Bible because it's different from other money. The temple is called holy because it's different from other buildings. This land here, these buildings here are, are holy for one purpose, the church of Christ, the preaching of the gospel, and giving hope to the world. It's sacred. It's set apart. It's different. The priests were called holy because they were different from other men. The Bible's called holy because it's different from other books. Israel was called holy because it was different from other nations. The church is called holy because it's different 
from other groups of people. It's the assembly of the people of God. And every Christian is called holy because they belong to God. They have a sacred calling on their lives. Step into this year. There can be a new version of you. You can remove some things. You can get rid of those things by the grace of God. You can change the way you think. It'll change the way you feel. It'll change the way you live. And you can put on the new self. You can become the person that you desire to be, the person God made you to be. One Sunday, a pastor brought out a glass of water in his sermon. And he said, how can I get all the air out of the glass? One man said, well, take a pump and draw the air out. He said, well, that'll create a vacuum. And if I do that, the, the glass will shatter. So then he took out a pitcher of water and he filled the glass to the brim. He said, look, I removed the air by filling it with water. And he went on to explain that the Christian life is not a constant struggle of trying to get rid of something. But if you'll fill your life with good things, it'll automatically drive out the old things. So pursue God this year, as I do. Pursue the goodness of God, the blessings of God. As Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you too can put off the old and put on the new. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.